0: God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right, Damon. Hello, how are you? Good, man. Thanks for coming. Oh, yeah. Appreciate it. So I met you in FFR, Mm -hmm. and you were, you know, you've always been there since I've been there. Yeah. and first time i walked in you were like greeting people at the door yeah um that's my job yeah which is cool and you know your appearance is like kind of off-putting you know like you got tattoos and like look like you ran around in the streets and all that yes so to see you like at the front door and like greeting people i'm like man who's this guy you know and i didn't know that you were like really involved with um that fellowship there Mm -hmm. you know i I thought you were just there and just, like, greeting people yeah. and uh, and doing your thing there. But, like, the more that I showed up, and that was when they were back at that other spot yeah. by the railroad tracks over mm-hmm. there. Um, but the more I came around, the more I saw you and, and seen that you were, you know, really involved with the fellowship yeah. and, uh, you know, praying for people and, like, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. I think totally. I prayed for you a couple times, yeah. too, didn't Yeah, I? for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, really all in for for God and in that fellowship. Um, so, you know, we'll take it all the way back, you know, and, and get to that point of how you got involved with that fellowship, but um, where did you grow up at? Okay. I grew up in uh, North Highlands. North Highlands.
1: Um, we lived in North Highlands, went to school in Carmichael. Okay. Um, just had babysitters over there. Grandparents lived there, so we could, my mom worked for the state downtown very busy lady breadwinner she was the one okay. very smart lady love her to death um
0: and what did what did the household look like yeah mom and dad yeah,
1: mom and dad they're both were great at you know um there was some traumatic stuff that happened later but it was family time all the time really when i was younger and uh i could tell they they worked hard they both my dad worked for Caltrans my mom worked for PERS Mm -hmm. and uh yeah we we did the four. we used to go on the Rubicon jeeping gold panning all kinds of family involved stuff okay um yeah so it was a lot of family oriented things all the time um then in that area there's a lot of stuff that happened we it, it was hard for us as younger because it's kind of a a rough area to live in, yeah. you know, at, at times. We got, me and my brother would go ride our bikes to the store and whatever. We got mugged once, you mm-hmm. know, It it's just for some younger kids living yeah. in North Highlands. It's a little yeah. bit rougher. We had our bikes stolen from other people, just yeah. all kinds of stuff, you know, yeah. that was typical of that area. Sure. So.
0: And are you the older or younger brother? I was, I'm the older. You're the older brother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And was there, do you have a history of addiction in your family? or is there... um, Later on, yes.
1: My Yes. There's a, an alcoholic, my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that time when I was younger, though, I don't think, he, he drank bears and stuff like that. He yeah. would, you know, normal stuff, but he wasn't a full on. At least i didn't notice it maybe he was and i didn't notice it because yeah. i was so young yeah. but there was always a beer around There was always sure. maybe a bottle of jack around and you know late nights of him passing out in the garage i don't know what he did you know yeah. i i was sheltered from that at sure. that time yeah. at that time you know so when i got older though on yeah. the other hand then um so we moved from there to Sheridan, north of Lincoln, mm-hmm. out on 10 acres, had a beautiful piece of property out there. Still do. My parents still live there. Oh, cool. And um, we moved out there, and not even six months after we moved out there, uh, my dad was hit by a car on the freeway. Ooh. He worked for Caltrans. He got Ooh. rolled down the side of the car, beat pretty bad, uh, broke his leg. Um it was just he was broken i could tell it was it was traumatic to me to see yeah. you know my idol dad, my dad was my idol you know i looked up to him quite a bit and um so to see him so broken he was black and blue mm-hmm. from head to toe wow. so um for me to see that it was a uh, it was pretty traumatic How you old know were you then? I was 14 okay. 14 years old then yeah. um so but that's when, after he got hit like that, he self-medicated with the whiskey. Mm. And that's when his full-on alcoholism was very apparent and very well could see that was how he medicated the pain. Was he taking and, pain pills too? Or was... uh, I don't think so. He never liked the pain pills. Like, he, he never did it. He would just drink until he didn't feel feel anything yeah. i think is no, what the way it works yes it does Just as well you know you get yeah enough so on board. we would come home from school after him self-medicating all day yeah he'd be you know you add whiskey to an evans my mother would say to an evans that's me too you add whiskey or liquor to any evans it's a they turn into a you know an a-hole mm-hmm. you know instant a-hole yeah. so that's what we came home to just
0: was there we'll, violence or just it was of, just verbal abuse
1: yeah. um he he would kind of shove and push a little bit here and there but he never yeah. like uh, double up and hit us or whatever you know yeah. that never happened but
0: so did uh, your outlook on him change after that
1: yeah it was it was
0: uh did wow you i don't like even want
1: to come home to that yeah. i don't every day it was like how do i get outside as quick as i can go i come in how do i leave now i'm going to my friends over here i'm going over there Mm -hmm. and come to find out they're smoking weed over there and Mm -hmm. this and that and they're smoking cigarettes and you know and i just fell right into that because i don't want to be home with dad you know right what was how
0: old were you when you first tried something
1: I was what, 15. 15. So yeah. it was right after that. Yeah. You started hanging out with friends. Yeah. Yep. We and... were smoking weed, doing all that good fun stuff, and yeah. even got caught at school selling some weed to another guy, and got pulled to the office. Mom had to be called down there, and this and that. And yeah. Yeah. It was. It was bad. So, so. started hanging out with the wrong crowd. Absolutely. Well, the yeah. wrong crowd. I figured that I kind of was the wrong crowd by then. Yeah. And we all just kind of hung out together. So I take full responsibility for yeah. my actions, you know, yeah. in it all. Nobody was forcing me to, right. To, yeah. you know, smoke the weed and do this and that. That's you know. true. No, so I, that,
0: I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I just know that like, Who there influences? Yes. You know, yes. Big time influences, yes. Older
1: uncles and stuff, like of the friends that I was hanging out with. They would they're like, Oh, I got this, I got that, you you guys want that or whatever.
0: You know, it just that's how it went. So Yeah, Yeah, I think there's that has a lot to do with it. And what kind of aspirations did you have as a young man? Were you did you have goals and ambitions or were you? Not really. I just kind of this is back when Lincoln and Sheridan were pretty yeah. small towns. Yeah, it
1: was a small town. There was, like, this is, when, when was that? It was 1990, mm-hmm. so I'm old. So yeah. It was, like, 1990. There was, like, Stagger Lee's and all that. If people from that area will know what I'm talking about, that's yeah. a bar down there. I mean, there's just a lot of, you know, history that right. was there that's totally just gone yeah. now. It's, like... So it's a whole new it, little it's city a whole now. new little city over there. when yeah. I grew up there it was a lot smaller town
0: yeah, yeah little farm town
1: yeah yeah you get in a lot of trouble in a little farm town. yeah
0: so. you know when there's not much to do you find stuff to do. yeah, you know it,
1: lots of stuff. We used to do like just go and smash mailboxes, all kinds of weird yeah fun stuff like my neighbor man. I know he had to adjustment. He <laughs> <laughs> had to be sick of me, man. I pulled yeah. his mailbox out. He put a, a new one in, and I put his old one back and pulled out his new one. <laughs> I mean, it's stupid stuff, yeah. like kid stuff, you know. Yeah. It's just, I bet that just like
0: what in the. I know. Yeah, I had similar experiences, just running amok around town. You know, we doorbell ditch, and yeah. teepee, and like, yeah, just trying to find some trouble, you know? Yeah. And you can find it. You definitely can. You know. So what we, was your high school experience like? High
1: school, I was kind of low-key. I didn't yeah. really... I hung out with... Did you with graduate? The, yeah, I graduated. Um, I didn't... Uh, I just kind of smoked a lot of weed then. Yeah. I didn't really... We drank and partied. Like, we'd go to parties and hang out. And, you know, we smoked a lot of weed and just yeah. hung out. You know, I didn't get really bad until I started really drinking heavy. Is so in high school, high school. I no, I, I did acid a few times in high school. Yeah. Like I dabbled in a little bit of everything, mushrooms, acid, all that stuff and alcohol weed, you know, I pretty much the, yeah. you know, the typical stuff, nothing hard yet. No Coke. No, uh, I did it a couple times, but not like, yeah, it was just recreational. Yeah. But, um, so at the end of high school I met my uh, my wife my uh, Sabrina I met her uh, I was a senior in high school met her she was 16 you know and we ended up getting married having a couple kids uh Jesse and Mackenzie and um How old were you? I was when we got married, well, yeah, when we had kids and the whole family. So let's thing. see, I had Jesse when I was twenty mm-hmm. years old, um, but also right then when I, so, Sabrina was pregnant, and I'm going, we're getting ready to do the family thing. We got our own house in Lincoln by now, and she's still going to school, and she's pregnant. She had to go to continuation school because she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Phoenix and Lincoln. There's a continuation school there in Lincoln. She was going there. I was working full time and she was working also at the gas station, Ramus Oil in Lincoln mm-hmm. um, after school and just making things work and doing the family thing. And I, it was all good. I didn't drink that heavy. Then everything seemed to be going like, you know, a young family should be going, mm-hmm. you know, nothing was out of control. And then my brother died in a car accident. Mm. and that like so when we're younger like that you know I get that we we kind of drifted like me and my brother drifted apart me and my parents kind of drifted apart because I was so focused on work and family and what my family my family was doing you know so we all kind of drifted apart meanwhile my dad's like out and he's got his own apartment he had to move out of the house with my mom mm-hmm. kicked him all out and because he was full-blown alcoholic, like he was 98 pounds, I mean, Oof. really bad.
2: Yeah.
1: We pulled out a hundred and some odd bottles of Kessler, gallon jugs of Kessler out of his apartment, had wow. to send him to the hospital. My uncle at the time took him and threw him in the trunk of the car. He was so not going go to go wow. to recovery or anything like that, a group. So they sent him to White City, Oregon, a program up there, and he's been sober since. Oh wow! Yeah, it's been it's a, thank you Jesus for that. Yeah. He's been sober since, and he's completely different man. Mm. It's a like a night and day difference. With you, like I said before, yeah. you add alcohol to that man, and it, he's a different man. Yeah. So like the Jekyll and Hyde type thing. Yeah. It's a, absolutely one hundred percent.
0: Have you read? Any of the AA literature on that? Stuff? Not,
1: no, I never got into that. I, yeah. I just stick with my Bible and my. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it talks about that, like in, in think more about alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And it talks about, you know, the different types of alcoholics and, uh, you know, how, you know, real alcoholics and people that suffer from alcoholism, whether you want to believe it or not, it, you know, doctors, the doctor's opinion is that people with alcoholism have an allergy. Mm-hmm to alcohol and we process it differently and yeah it it completely you know changes who we are absolutely you know and uh and once we start we can't stop you know that's a Mm. hallmark of alcoholism like once i start drinking my impulse control goes out the window (sighs) oh yeah and i'm not capable of stopping whereas like you know some people i'll say like a, a normal drinker might be able to have a couple of drinks. They feel a little tipsy yeah. and they're able to stop, you know, mm-hmm. and they feel a little dizzy, whatever. And they're like, Oh, I've had enough. Right. Yeah. It like me, I'm, I might have anxiety or like be, or not feeling great in a situation. I have a couple of beers and I feel normal. I'm able to relax. And I, I once I have some, I just want more. Yeah. Right. It, it's just never enough. Like I'm going to drink all night long I'm going to get hammered, yeah. you know, and uh, sometimes make bad decisions, right? We turn into different yeah. people, you know, yeah, some people get violent, yeah. you know, some people love, just love to party and spend money. And those are all like red flag warnings of, yeah. of alcoholism. You yeah. Know? So
1: I dated this one girl for like seven years it in my height of my addiction, you know, mm-hmm. and she was she's an alcoholic she still is and oh, well, always going to be but yeah. um i could tell exactly if she had one drink yeah one drink it was like i could tell she immediately. drank yep. immediately her tone in her voice
2: her <laughs> i knew her that
1: well i yeah. knew her that well like i yep. could tell like boom you had I a know. drink i could tell like just her tone and her whole attitude the way she looked at me the everything, everything. it was just a completely different yeah, it's person It's like a light like, switch It is like boom it's it's Instantly you add alcohol And yep. it's like Completely different person It doesn't matter yeah. It's just so crazy How you could just Totally that And when see you that. take
0: The alcohol away You yeah. know These people are like Normal people yeah. Like caring people yeah. Love Smart Loving Intelligent yeah, Absolutely but It's like you add that alcohol And it's a
1: whole it's different It's like person. it just yeah. It twists something in their brain It turns on this switch
0: So Your brother dies Yeah and was he, how, how did that go about? Just an accident? Yeah, he was in a car accident. Um, no alcohol involved. Nothing. No, I think yeah. he
1: was, so my brother, he hid it from me, but we found out later he was using meth. Um, he was dating some girl in Roseville, mm-hmm. stayed there one night, dro- was driving back to Sheridan on the back roads, went through a stop sign and was T-boned and, mm. uh, when we went through his room later, we found light bulbs with, you know, just, I mean, straws, you know, so it was like he was yeah. smoking mats. So I don't know how and what happened that yeah. day, but it is what it is. He was yeah. using, obviously, and, um, yeah, so it was just his time. And- it was his time. Yeah. And I've, I've put that in the past, you know, mm-hmm. I've worked through that. I've did counseling with yeah. a, when I got out of jail this last time. I really worked on some grief counseling, and man, that helped so much. Yeah, so the grief counseling that they offer over here at Placer County is awesome. It is awesome. The guy I worked with was Larry Woodward, mm-hmm. he's a uh, they did a grief counseling class with me. It was the first time they did it, and it was like, Whoa, it really helped. There's a few other people that what had. was
0: it about that counseling that so
1: they. The way that they, the booklets that they had, it Mm -hmm. like gave you a whole different uh, way to deal with these things and the tools on how, what these feelings were doing to you when they did, it it was just awesome. There's a lot of it just, it opened my eyes to a lot of the actions, the way I would react to things. And it was just awesome how it it all worked out. This was all right Mm -hmm. when I... Got sober also, so my mind was clear. Yeah, I wasn't fogged. You know, when when you try to do a class or something and you're under the influence, the stuff just doesn't sink in. Like, yeah. clear headed, uh, open mind. No, you I know, agree. it and can plant the seed. Yeah, but... yeah, but it it's not going to do the work that yeah. needs to be done all the way. Like yeah. now that I have a sober mind, yeah, in every way, in every form, it is stuff just sticks and stays better this time yeah. you know and yeah. i'm still recovering from all the meth use you know right. it's like wow it takes a while the, yeah. the fog the brain fog is yeah dissipating <laughs> yeah that's good so after my brother
0: yeah so how did that affect you at the time like what how were you dealing with it like what
1: alcohol yeah yeah straight in yeah. head first alcohol because i was 20 years old yeah and I was turning 21 yeah. and it was on and cracking then <laughs> nonstop yeah. every day for quite a, a long time, you know? Um And I can't re- even think how long I drank after that. It was like many years, probably. So that would have been in 97 is when he died. So 97 to 2000, I was a full on raging alcoholic, mm-hmm. just, you know, add alcohol what did i say <laughs> you know but so all I, day every day yeah just... well not all day so i i'd go to work it was always in the evening i never mm-hmm. drank and worked and that came later in my addiction like yeah. the beginning stages i did that and then i started you know that was also when i started doing uh meth also. But I wasn't doing it full time and I wasn't smoking it. That was the difference. I was just doing lines of mm-hmm. of meth to get to work after being hung over all night drinking. It's like I'd do a line on on the way to work or something and just you know, and wake up and get to work. And
0: so a cup of coffee. Yeah, know?
1: exactly. It was my cup of coffee. It really was. And it's like that's how I would deal with the yeah, that you know, yeah. the hangovers and, and the nonsense. So
0: So stuffing your emotions. Yeah. Drinking it down. Yeah.
1: And the Matthews wasn't all the time. It was just when it was real bad or available to me, you know. So that didn't get bad until uh, later and I started smoking it. But that's later on in this story.
0: So were you tr- starting to see repercussions of that alcoholism or were you just kind of coasting nope, through no i was
1: coasting yeah then i've had a good job i've always had a job and what were good, you doing i was working for dave davy tree then i was a utility pole inspector and i was make i was a foreman running uh my own crew and this and that. right out of high school they made me like i made pretty good money for that time yeah. Frame. So it was almost $20 an hour back then was quite a, a bit. Yeah. yeah. That's back when gas was 99 cents a gallon. Right. Yeah. So 20 bucks an hour wage. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. We could live decently, and pay our rent, yeah, all that.
0: And what about your kids? So were they seeing you drink like that? And were, yeah,
1: no, I drink all the time. Was like, that having an
0: effect on them? You feel like
1: no, because I was drinking beer. Like once I, I go to, I was just drinking beer, you yeah. know, and it wasn't alcohol like alcohol. Later in life, it was more them it was vodka. Later in life, but yeah. I d- would drink a lot of beer. I got overweight, everything, because I drank so much beer. Like, I was quite a bit heavier. And, um, yeah, it was, like, 18 to 30 beers a night. Jeez. Yeah, putting them down. Yeah. Yeah, usually 18-pack.
0: What kind of beer were you drinking?
1: I was drinking Corona, uh, Bud Light, and Heineken were my beers. Yeah, So, mainly Corona and Bud Light, but... So what happened after that? So after that just started going to work, started tow truck driving, getting into trouble there, did a few things with and did not you know, that weren't very good to do
0: you know pulling people's car that didn't deserve pulling exactly so it's like (laughs) you're using the tow truck to jack people's car yeah yeah that kind of stuff
1: would would just happen you know yeah and then it
0: would just happen yeah
1: so anyways it just that that kind of stuff happened but i'd get in trouble i got into a car club we were just running amok you know, so yeah, started, then I had some wisdom teeth pulled and was introduced to Vicodin. And it was mm. a wrap then. Yeah. It's like, I was... Found uh, it. Found it. Yeah. Yeah. The Vicodin led to Norcos, then the Norcos led to Oxys. Yeah. And then the Oxy led to Liquid Oxy, and then so on and so forth. Yeah. But um, what? Well, let me back up here. What was I going to say? before all that there. So I was got introduced to that. Then I started tattooing also. Mm. So the painkillers and the drinking and the tattooing. yeah. And it was, I had a tattoo shop built right in my kitchen. So everybody from the car club wanted tattoos and I just started tattooing back then. And, uh, started tattooing and living that lifestyle and then me
0: and the wife so you just kind of fell into that whole lifestyle yeah
1: that that lifestyle I kind of started because i've always been artistic and very yeah. like uh i've I'll always drawn very artistic you know and um pretty much i could draw just about anything or you know it's just that way but um i got that trait from my dad my dad's side family but Anyways, so the tattooing, I, I'm i going, doing that on the side, working also, growing weed, selling that. So I'm doing great with money-wise, and the pill habits starting to get bigger and, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it's like, whoa, I'm like this, and I'm supplying pills for me and my wife. My oh. wife's on them too. Oh. So we're doing them and uh, just... Every day, that it's like, how are we gonna get more? How are we gonna get more? Yeah. How are we gonna get more? It was becomes like a, a full time job. Yeah, it itself. is a full time job trying to find pills for yourself and find good connects with them that have them all the time. And man, it just that was just so stressful and so yeah. draining in just itself. A, it was no fun after you know, that. It was way like, to live. it is the yeah. worst way to live, and I did it for so many years.
0: Just like. No purpose. It's meaningless. A, yes. Just one day that one the next.
1: focus and one yeah. drive and that was it. And that's to get pills. And then once
0: you get it, it's just a temporary relief. Yeah. And then it's just Absolutely. On to the next day. Yeah. Here you go again.
1: So I'm I get this other job. I'm working for a fencing company. And uh I do doing that for about ten years. Started drinking after and during the job then you know i because i got full rain, then i you know it's a construction style job so everybody's Mm -hmm. drinking so it's like we're drinking at lunch we're drinking i'm drinking and driving in the work truck on the way home back and forth and coming back into the shop the owner's having uh you know like shots for us at the shop and we're drinking at the shop you know it's like full-on party time all the time for damon and Damon's not having any fun, though, because he's worried about getting pills all the time. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the only other way to medicate is with the alcohol. So I'm doing that and uh, just trying to Still make hands Still haven't,
0: mean. like, dealt with any of the stuff from your brother? Yeah. Still no, just it's just, like, like,
1: like, bury on more drugs and more suppress it all, suppress it all. You know, all the feelings of anything, yeah. you know, it's just...
0: so you've you've been able to like maintain some jobs though have you had any other traumatic circumstances as a result of using and and hanging out with yeah that's later guys
1: and like yeah no not not nothing really yeah big or bad like we had a few fights with people here and there but who doesn't you know yeah arguments here and there and Parties and you know they get yeah. out of hand or something, but it's yeah. just like stuff like that just happened. Yeah. That that I thought was just normal stuff to happen, you know. Yeah. So I that stuff I never really uh, let get to me, you know. Mm-hmm. I've I've been beat up, and I've done some beating up to people. It doesn't matter. I'm not like me and my brother grew up very like we're very close in age mm-hmm. so we would const- we would fight like cats and dogs like literally cats and dogs yeah um we got kicked off the bus for fighting like for weeks at a time you know just yeah yeah two world wolverines at each other all the time it just seemed that way yeah so i wasn't afraid to get hit and i wasn't afraid to hit somebody else either and yeah i think that's where it stemmed from is just having that lifestyle with the brother all the time. I mean, he broke a shovel handle over my back. I put his head through a cabinet door. I mean, he shoved me through a wall, smacked (laughs) me in the mouth. I mean, just, it never stopped. It never stopped. (laughs) Yep. So.
0: So you're fencing, drinking, popping pills. Yeah.
1: And then I go to this job and I'm hanging out the window and I blow my back out on the job couldn't even stand but and i go on workman's comp so i'm on these painkillers they're given to me now with a bad back and it i have a bulging disc in my back because Mm. of it but it's just all i had to really do i find out later is really just exercise yeah and it helps with that and it's strengthening, strength yeah. and, It does. Yeah. It absolutely does. You have a back problem? Exercise. Yeah. Exercise, exercise, exercise. Because when I did, then that's what cured it. Not the pills that mask it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: yeah. Exercise. It,
0: the doctors just like give you a, you know, a prescription just yeah. to, you know. Yeah. To get and it, through. it helped,
1: you know, yeah. it helped, but it didn't fix it yeah the real help would have been make me go to yeah i know physical therapy they medicate
0: the side effects you know of the real problem yeah you know and uh and then those those side effects that they're prescribing for create more side effects and then all of a sudden you're on two different kinds of pills and it's just like this rabbit hole of
1: yeah yeah they put me on fentanyl i was on fentanyl patches for a while i was on uh all kinds of painkillers yeah they tried everything. This, that. And how did that? So now you're out of work. Yeah, um, I'm out of work on workman's comp. My uh, my wife at the time she's working still. Then she decides that she's gonna quit. She's ends up pregnant. So she's pregnant. I had a vasectomy, by the way. So she's pregnant. And um, your baby or not your baby? It was not my baby. Okay. I come to find out later, yeah. but it was not my baby. I could tell right when it Came was born. I was it. like, you know, when I gave her the benefit of the doubt and I Ugh. stayed with her all eight months until yeah. I could see the baby itself. And then I was like, no, that's not mine. Dang you know? it. So,
0: how'd that make you feel?
1: It crushed me. It yeah. really, really.
0: There's a shot. To I the had pride. such animosity yeah. and such
1: hate for her. Then it was like just I Ugh. hated her. Yeah. Then it was just like, God, how could you do that? We were married 16 years. Damn so, it. yeah, that's brutal. So yeah, it just ripped you apart. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So, and meanwhile, while she was pregnant, she was using meth and taking Ugh. pills, so that the baby came out drug addicted. Dang it. I didn't know that she was using meth. I was stuck in pain at home on Workman's Comp and just in my misery myself and not paying attention to what's going on around me. I'm clouded with my pills and this and that. Yeah. So um, she'd just go and take off and be gone for hours on it, you know, and I just was at home stuck watching TV, doing whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. Passing the day, going to my doctor's appointments, whatever, you know. So then uh, I find her in a trailer out back. We had the baby already. Find her out there. And this all happened like within a couple couple weeks. So I find her out back smoking the pipe and meth. And then uh, then like a week later, our landlord comes to the door and says that You haven't paid rent for three months. She hadn't paid the rent on the house for three months. She had been taking the money that I would give her because I get workman's comp checks. Taking the money and blowing it at the casino and doing her meth and doing whatever. And just totally lying to me the whole way. And um, I had to put a tracker in the car just to see where she was going. I got the check one day. She said she'd go and send it. I put a, a GPS in the car. It went straight from the house, straight to the casino.
0: Jeez. And I was
1: like, oh, my gosh. So I was just like, oh, my gosh. I was at my wits end then, and I just was just like, okay, well, hand me the pipe. <laughs> yeah, that's the smartest thing to do, huh? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I I ended up, then I was using and smoking then, and it just got its claws into me then, and yeah. Then. Nothing else, so man. now
0: you're you got that heartbreak going too yeah the heartbreak Into that I know for me like when I went through that heartache, like it wasn't just animosity for one specific woman, like I started hating all women, yeah, you know, and like using and abusing, and yeah. just like lost my respect for women in general, yeah you know and and it was all you know self mm-hmm. it was all me at yeah. the end of the day, but at the time I was like. Yeah, just angry at women in yeah. general. I
1: felt like they were all evil, yeah. and they're just out for themselves, whatever. Yeah. By then, it was like, then I'm questioning: was it was she always lying to me? Was she always right. doing this stuff to me? Like, right. I started questioning everything. Yeah, you know? were
0: your older kids out of the house already? No, they were. Uh,
1: Jesse was. Let's see, he was probably f- fifteen or. Sixteen, I think, okay. or thirteen or fourteen. I can't remember how old he was. I was yeah. so messed up in my head. Probably in high school. Though. Yeah, yeah, nah. yeah. He was in high school. He just started high school, and Mackenzie was uh, like in elementary school still. So they were, they were, they were seven years apart. So okay. Jesse's seven years older than
0: Mackenzie. Then, so you started running. You you hit that pipe and just kind of went off or what? Yeah, I just,
1: we got evicted out of the house, moved in with my parents for a little while, and uh, then Sabrina and I got into an argument at the house. She called the cops. I shoved her because she put a cigarette out on my chest, and I just pushed her away. Well, she called the cops like I hit her, and they went there. And they took, uh, they threw me in the car. They had me all locked up, ready to go. And I am like, are you going to ask how I got this big cigarette ash and blister on my chest? And he's like, how'd you do that? She put, that's why I pushed her away was because she did that. And so then we both went to jail mm. <laughs> and they took our kids. Oh, so geez. then the kids were taken. They actually, because I was living with my parents, they, uh, Gave them to my parents to handle for a while. But then they went into foster care for a little, for a month or so, I think. So I feel really bad about that. That just, one of my amends that I had to make when my fourth step, I had to go and apologize to them for all that, you know. You know, that was, I feel bad for having to put them through that. You know, I should have been man enough to just drop it all and put them first. But I was full on just head deep into Myth.
0: And, yeah, you were sick. You know? Yeah, so and we don't we don't realize that till later on, you know. And like you said, in that fourth step, and yeah, going through those things. But it's like you got to give yourself some grace, you know, and understand that you weren't making those decisions in like a, a clear mind, clear mind at right? all. Yeah. You were sick, bodily, physically, spiritually, yeah, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, so went to jail for that and then yep,
1: and got out and we couldn't go back to my parents because the kids were there you know so now i'm out on the street i'm homeless mm. and uh
0: like living on the street homeless yeah
1: yeah jumping
0: on sack like, or, or
1: no it was in sheridan. sheridan i still was close to home i had friends in sheridan i couch yeah. hopped for a while the, the tweaker friends i had in sheridan you know cow chopped in sheridan cow chopped in lincoln just ran the streets then lived with friends for years and years um yeah just ran through the town of lincoln sheridan roseville all that for that was my meth then history then just started Mm -hmm. running amok all through town going to jail constantly going to jail for warrants or whatever it just Mm -hmm. Non-stop. Were you getting into
0: crime at this point, or were you just yeah, we drug did. induced little it,
1: stuff? It was just drug induced for a while. Yeah, um, the other crime and such came later. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never really was much of a thief. Other like, I just wanted to get high. You know, and I never really stole a bunch of stuff, or you know, was that guy because I could always hustle up some money. By tattooing, or right. you know, I I had a hustle that I yeah. could you know, people would let me stay on their couch because they wanted tattoos. Yeah, they'll trade you dope. Yeah, for exactly, or whatever, you know? exactly. Yeah. So I always had a way with the tattooing. It kind of saved me a lot from living in a tent. There's only a few times in my struggle that I, you know, I camped out behind the Walmart in Linda one time and stayed there for a little bit, and then. There was times in Lincoln that I did. I was on the street and I had nowhere to go. Um there was times, you know, all here there, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so I I was just running amok through town, just doing that, running through women, then uh met another girl was with her, the one that was the, the drinker. She I met her, she was a old friend of mine's uh little sister and she had been smoking meth and this and that. I moved into North Highlands with him and, uh, his, she came there for a tattoo and then never left. So, mm. and it was just party party. She had a car so we could get it around. We could do what we needed to do this and that. And, um, yeah, just it was on and she was my hostage and I was her hostage basically, you know, mm-hmm. we were codependent on each other and, and that was it. I I had the drugs. She had the booty. It was all this and that. Yep. And that's how it goes, you know. When just running around from house to house, from friend to friend, and just pleasure you know, seeking, yes, yeah, all the time, yeah. getting money, tattooing, um, or just doubling the money on the dope. You know, just pleasure seeking all the time. Yeah. Any way we could do it, you know but yeah yeah so started running around with her and where'd that take you uh to jail a few more times yeah <laughs> yeah i never like i just kept going to jail i don't know how many times i've been to jail it's just in and out of jail in and out in and out. It like it was there for a while it was like seemed like every couple months i'm in jail again
0: just on probation yeah yeah
1: and just or i had a warrant because i didn't go and handle my court stuff. Yeah. I just I'd go in and they put me out on my own recognizance and I'd have a pipe in my hand before I hit the street, you know. You know, they it's just that way. Yeah. And um nonstop. So uh, after that, let's see, we got a house. We ended up I ended up getting clean. Mm. Not for very long. <laughs> I got clean off of meth for two years but i was drinking so that was where so i got off the meth for two years with her though and um what sparked that so she got tired of it and i got out of jail and decided okay i'm gonna not gonna start again this time so i got a job working for midas and this and that right in auburn and um that old midas there Mm -hmm. when it was midas before i started working there for a while was drinking and then uh lived in the greens over here in auburn and um we had our own place there lived there for a while and moved out of there moved from there to camino but i'm drinking the whole time you know like that's the when i started drinking vodka and she's drinking she's alcoholic and uh, i was alcoholic also i'm not saying that like i wasn't you know yeah. so um Drinking on the way home, drinking, you know, after work again, you know, just like before. And then the little small permissions come in. Then we had some friends that came over then they had some dope. And it was like, Oh, we'll just do it once. We're just party, you know. <laughs> We're just gonna do it once. One just more have time. A good time. Yeah. Yeah. we have a good time, you know, and uh it'll be great. And we'll be able to put it down. We won't get any more after this. So We know how that goes. So I can't put it down. Once I did it, it was this on and cracking again. Ended up getting out of that house, moving down into Auburn with my boss for a while and ended up getting a house in Lincoln. So I'm working for a custom shop this time and... I'm still popping pills. I'm still, uh, yeah. This whole time, I'm I am still taking pills. You know, but I have them under control now in my mind because I have a prescription, and I don't take more than my prescription. I'm good with the pills. But I wasn't all that great with the pills because if I didn't have them, you know, I'd just be sick. Yeah. But um, so I'm I'm out of a. Uh, out in Lincoln, using I'm not using like full bore like I was but be- before. Mm-hmm. I'm just using a little bit, just to get by, just to fly under the radar. I'm I'm have a house, I have a job. I'm just kind of coasting, and um, did that for ever and for it seemed like ever, and then me and her started fighting. And uh, she left. I had the house to myself. And then I just kind of, well, I might as well just go full-boring. And and had some other friends move in. And we were just all using. And, uh, yeah, I was just going for it. Lost my job then. And uh, because I went (laughs) full-boring. I was like, yeah, I was moving quite a bit of, you know, people coming through the house. It was like a like a the spot, you know, for quite a while. And uh ended up just having lots of friends and like the wrong friends, you know. Yeah. Over all the time and cars being stolen and all kinds of shenanigans happening. And um yeah, just it was a mess. So after that, while I'm living there though, I got I decided I didn't need those pills anymore. So I tapered myself off the pills. I'm I'm getting this, if I smoke more meth, I won't need <laughs> the pills anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll have only one to worry about. And in the back of my mind, I really wanted to get clean, you know, mm-hmm. and off it all. You know, I've always wanted to do that, but it had its claws in me so deep. The pills did too. So it took me eight months and I got my prescriptions and I, I tapered myself off one half a pill less each week, and it took me eight months. I was prescribed ten Norco's a day, and it was like took me eight months to finally taper myself down to where I forgot that I needed them because I was smoking the meth to Mm. to outweigh that, you know. But I'd much rather come off a meth than pills. Oh, yeah. So, um, so I'm doing that. I got off the pills. But my meth use went through the roof, you know, for a while. And, and you
0: still just smoking?
1: Yeah, just smoking. I never slammed it or anything like that. I just smoked it, smoked it, smoked a lot of it. But, um, yeah, I just kept doing that and ended up losing that house, moving in with another girl up into Colfax, moved up to Colfax. And, you know, these are all younger girls too like this women I had no (laughs) no business dating you know but the younger they are the funner they are it just seemed like you know yeah and so this one was 23 I was in my 40s it's like so just we were having fun she was crazy I was crazy and she ended up robbing me and mm. and ended up sleeping with a bunch of my friends too, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, whatever yeah, so I moved out of there, moved into pandarin uh downstairs from where my son's house was with some friends, and I was using there, and uh
0: your son was living above you, yeah,
1: he was living above me in the in an apartment above the house, so it's like a two story house, but there was an. They turned the upstairs into an apartment, and the downstairs into apartment. Two different.
0: Was he so, using?
1: No, my son didn't right. ever. He hasn't used. He he smokes a little weed here and there, but yeah. And he drinks a little bit, but he's pretty normal. Yeah, he's normal, and thank God for that. Yeah, yeah, because I think I scared That's <laughs> them good. enough. Yeah. I think I scared it out of him to where.
0: That's good. I was never smart enough for that. Yeah. You know, I me neither. To, I had to learn the hard way. Yeah. I saw it. You know, I saw the repercussions. Yeah. Saw friends getting locked up and dying. Yeah. Saw, you know, and my dad and, and you know, family members dying and stuff. And yeah. it's was just like, well, it's not going to happen to me, you know, yeah. like for whatever reason. It's like I couldn't learn from other people's mistakes, you know. I just yeah. had to experience it for myself. And, you know, and I needed it, you know, like I needed to learn those lessons the hard way. And uh, I needed that character development and and to learn, to learn life, you know, and you're only going to learn it through those experiences, you know, whether you can learn it from your own or somebody else's. Yeah. And that's,
1: that's what's crazy is like, so all this, everything that's happened to me in my life, I'm like, that is why God let me go through this he yeah. let me go through that he let me go through this it just so i could be a soldier for him later yeah. and have a testimony and have mm. a a reason to you know uh, an outcome like that could just only be a divine intervention it's yeah. just like because i was an atheist i did not believe in god at all my whole so no life god in no the god no god like grandma my grandparents my uh were very religious christians um i just never went to church the only time i ever went to church was to uh every once in a while i go but it was only like when i had to get married i went there the pastor made me go for a month and you know and that was it other than that we stayed away from church i never had no reason to be at church i didn't believe in no god you know you know, Damon did what Damon wanted to do and pleasure seeking, and, and did what Damon thought was fun at the time. And, you know, always, I always had that selfish, inward thinking, totally everything had to be, you know, what we wanted to do. Me and the the, the wife or the girlfriend mm-hmm. or whatever it would be, that, that's all we ever thought. You know, we we're very selfish people,
0: you know. Yeah, I mean... Pretty much know. everybody in addiction is, it's all yeah. about you, you know? It's yeah. all about how do I get something out of this situation or this person, yeah. you know? Like, how how can I come up here, you know? And how do I get the next bag? And, you yeah. know, it's all just self-seeking, selfish Absolutely. desires, you know? Even, like, you're, you know, you go through stuff with people that are your friends, and, like, you bond through mm-hmm. some of that stuff, you yeah. know? But at the end of the day... You're out for you out for what out for you yourself. want, and you know? they are too. You know? absolutely. And and you get burned. And you're like, how could they do that? Yeah. Oh, like, I thought we were friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You like, just a connect. Yeah, you and had or a bag, whatever.
1: Yeah, exactly. I or I had the bag, or yeah. you had the bag, or whoever had the bag was the best buddy at that time. Right. You know, it's just yeah. out. That's just the name of the
0: game. You had the place or whatever. Yeah, exactly. she had the car. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, it's just however we could get by to. You know yeah. as easy as possible yeah. you know so, yeah so I'm I've come back from dating a girl up there in Colfax I'm in Penderin now living downstairs from my son and uh renting uh staying in the basically I was staying in the driveway in my car for a little while and then there's like okay, you can rent a room so they rented me a room I got a room there I was going to had a uh, job that i could go to work anytime i really wanted to he was very lenient just get this work done he had a list of stuff for me to do get this done very easy laid back job mm. and it you know i had a very easy life then for for a little while because it it was easy for me to use it was easy for me to just do damon on damon's terms you know yeah. then so I could just float then. And then I met this other girl. Uh and this one was young again, but this one I absolutely fell in love with. This one was just different. We did we were very codependent on each other. Like she used also and she used she slammed dope though and I didn't. I didn't I didn't condone it or have her, want her doing that either. So she cleaned up. We were together for about a year and a half. And the the times that we were to, uh, together that year and a half there was like a month at the beginning or so that she was getting off of the heroin. Then she was we were using meth all through there, but we were so like codependent on each other and we did everything together it was weird like a the weirdest relationship i've ever had so we were we would not let each other out of our sight it mm. was just crazy like i had been hurt she had been hurt and it was like we didn't trust each other yeah all the way it was like okay so and the psychosis was in full on like we were hearing stuff seeing stuff mm. you know that wasn't there. It was just the psychosis was on and cracking then, too. Yeah. Seeing and hearing stuff. She thought people were... I had women in the closet that she's sitting in front of. They're in there. I know they're in there. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. So... And it's I wild, thought there wow. was other stuff. It was wild. Like, just wild. We thought there were people outside. There was all kinds of stuff like that. I can think of... Like, I used to get it so bad. I used to think people are... Crawling around oh, in no. the yard and in the grass, it was just crazy. Freaking so, meth, just it does. It
0: taps into that paranoia. Oh thing.
1: man, it was so crazy. Like so, you
0: really see people. You
1: do, and you, so you're cra- really hearing shit. Yes, dude. it is so crazy. I'm it's so like weird. I when I first started using meth, and I was up for like a week. This is back in the old house with the old wife and all that. When I very first started and i came out of the house with my ar and shot the yard up oh, the man. grass because i lived on 22 acres so we yeah. could shoot out there it yeah, was yeah, like yeah. it was a big house big area i always shot out there so it wasn't out of the normal you know i thought we had some grass out front that was really tall i hadn't mowed it mm. and i the wind was blowing There's i thought people, people were ground. crawling around in my grass <laughs> so i was like I walk out there, nobody's in there. Like, oh, oh, my man. gosh. I'm like, I'm losing my mind.
0: Losing I it. walk
1: in, I lock the gun back. Up, and I'm like, okay, this is crazy. This is nuts. That's yeah. why tweakers don't need guns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So
0: so now you and her are in the same house all yep. whacked out. Yep. And she's, she's
1: working with me. We're like, so we're working at this job my boss is paying her to paying me so we have we lived that way for a year and a half and um she just got this bug one day like she just she' just up and took off one day and then come to find out uh, two days later she's dead oh in her car in roseville and uh i just I already know it just it had to have been something to do with drugs I think I don't know I don't get I didn't get the full story yeah. or whatever on that but so that like I love this girl it mm-hmm. was very much we it it was just crazy how God worked it this way I the way I see it now is how God put me or like He didn't do it I put myself in it but. I give the glory to God because He put me through this struggle, yeah. or I feel like He just let, took and withdrew Himself so I would, because He can see everything that's going to happen. And He placed it that way to where that would happen, to where that would be enough of an impact because I'm so stubborn. I could go to jail, jail, and everything could happen. And I've never, and I just keep using, you know. It didn't matter. only time I ever stopped using really for any amount of time was in jail. And so that's the only time I ever got sober, completely sober off of everything. Did you go
0: to prison or you just in jail? No, just
1: jail. Just jail. Um, I almost, this last case. So, well, let me back up a little. So there was a case that I just went to jail with Autumn. Like she was in the car. They searched my house, found a gun, found drugs. So I went to jail for that. I was looking at like three years in prison. So I ended up uh, getting a lawyer, and he was a good lawyer. He got me off on all that Uh, because the cops weren't supposed to be going in my house. Autumn stayed with me, but that wasn't her residence. I wasn't on probation. They illegally searched the house. Mm -hmm. So they just said, Autumn lived there. Autumn was on probation. I wasn't. autumn was there so and they kind of knew us in the town by then she they knew autumn they knew me they didn't you know cops get to know people you know so and they definitely knew me and autumn for sure so they just had found a way somebody had probably said i had a gun or whatever in the house you know that's just how it goes so i ended up that so i was looking at three years in prison i would autumn died and i'm sitting in jail and then I decided to try something different. This is, uh, so I went to jail. No, I didn't try something different then. I'm sorry, I'm I'm skipping something. So then uh, a whole month goes by and I'm talking to the guy that that's gonna do Autumn's uh, memorial and he's actually from uh, the church in Rockland that I was going to and, well, I started going to because of him. He asked me to come check out this men's group celebrate recovery in Rockland, I decided to go. I was still using I was still getting high, but the yeah. seeds were being planted then, yeah. yeah they could tell I was high as a kite in there. Yeah. they all knew me because I kept going there for years after that and uh so i'm I'm in there and i'm I'm using still, and I'm just kind of whoa, what's going on? you know yeah, and then I ended up getting an argument with one of the roommates. And she called the cops on me and i went to jail again and this time now that i had that spirit of god in me mm-hmm. i decided to pray to god in jail after sitting in there for four or five days and i prayed to god he told me what to say to the judge he told me what how to uh and do what i needed to do when i got out is call my son do these certain things and he just said it clear as day and that's what i did and here I am now, <laughs> you know, so I'm sitting there. I do all, all the things he wants me to do, but that was the first time I really prayed to God. Well, no, I take that back. So there was one other time years and years before, right after I was staying behind the, the Walmart and Linda, I needed a ride back to Lincoln. So I'm like, I was like, down and out. I wanted to walk into the freeway. I said, God, if you are real, give me a ride to Lincoln. Otherwise I'm walking into the freeway. I'm walking in the freeway and boom, here comes a car of a guy that knew me Hmm. from like 10 years before. I met him once and he was my wife's friend from high school and he recognized me. (laughs) And it was like, if that's, I'm like, okay, God, I, I think you, I, you might be real. <laughs> it's like I'm thinking that, but yeah. I'm still so high. Then it's like and nothing stuck, you know. Yeah. So it's like, wow, that was the first time I really prayed to God. He answered, and I just kind of like blew it off, like, yeah, wow, that really just happened. But, but who cares? Let's go smoke some more dope. Yeah, you know.
0: So you prayed in in jail. Yeah. He kind of answered your prayers there. Yeah, And then you got out and did you continue to walk that path or did you go to I was going uh
1: to the Wednesday meetings every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I was doing that. And I started I was upstairs living with my son now from uh, I moved out of that as everybody moved out from downstairs right as we i lost the house i went to jail lost the girlfriend went to jail again so everything was happening to me i was like at my very rock bottom i'm sitting in jail and that's what i pray for people like yeah. even at church at FFR now i pray for people to have a rock bottom yeah. have a a turning moment that the only way they have to turn is up you know, from there. Yeah. Is is how what I pray for. What do you for think it is about that
0: like that gift of
1: desperation that it is a gift. It absolutely it's a gift. That's the only way because a lot of us are so stubborn. I'm sure yeah. you can relate to that. I was so stubborn, I did thought, saw and did things Damon's way mm-hmm. all my life. And then finally being able to just give Damon up, mm-hmm. let him. Died itself, yeah, and turn like I was a one eighty, and that's the name of the church in Rockland. I t- Damon turned in it was a one eighty, yeah. like completely different guy. So I yeah. started putting, you know, I started going, and the literature started coming in, God's word started coming in. I started praying, talking to the guys in the Celebrate Recovery down there, and it was like one guy there, Tony, he. uh, He freaking told me one thing one time and uh, said, you got to chase your recovery like you chase that sack. Yeah. And that's, it stuck with me. I heard that and I could relate. It was like, boom, a light bulb went off. I knew exactly what I had to do.
0: Yeah. I had to chase it. Yeah, because you're, you know, when we're out in our addiction, like we're willing to do whatever it takes to get a bag. Uh, You know what I mean? Absolutely. And uh, And yeah, you have to chase recovery with that with that same mentality you know like all day whatever it takes you know yeah and uh yeah i think you're right like the gift of desperation you know like i had to be stripped of everything you know if i had if i had a any type of game like if i had any action at doing something else besides surrendering Mm -hmm. like i was gonna try that route you know I had tried all of the options. You know, I had, had one foot in, one foot out of the program. Like, you know, I had tried every, you know, the geographicals, like all these different methods of of change without trying to surrender, yeah. you know. And until yeah. until I was, you know, had that incomprehensible demoralization and, and that gift of desperation where, like, Something had to change or I was gonna die. Yeah. Basically. And that's the way I felt. Or or spend the rest of my life in prison. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was there. So if but if nothing changes, nothing changes, right? And so when we get to that point of desperation, like that's when that willingness Mm -hmm. gets there. You know, like when you when your back's against the wall and it's like yeah, jail's institutions or death. Yeah. And you have that willingness to change and you chase recovery with the same ambition that you're chasing that bag of dough yeah that's absolutely. when things will start to move yeah and that's know?
1: the thing it's like you got to be desperate because yeah. i was finally desperate in my life i was like at a bottom to where it was like yeah. what do i do now
0: how what I've were tr- you feeling inside
1: at that point like I was completely broken inside mm-hmm. like it was just such a shock to me it was like yeah. it was a shock but it was it was something that was in the back of my mind already I knew Autumn was going to be taken like at some point in time because she just was stubborn also she lived life on her terms and it was just uh, it, it, she did what she wanted she was just yeah. like me and we did what we want when we wanted, and it was that brokenness that really turned me to God. That So it took a death to bring me into addiction, yeah. real heavy, and it took a death to get me out of uh, addiction, is the way I look at it. Yeah. But it's... And actually nowhere else to turn but up, you right. know? So I'm going to the Celebrate Recoveries, and I'm finally... Digging into that, then a friend of mine, uh, Jenny, she uh turned me on to FFR. I went up to FFR, then it's been a wrap since then. It's like I got Nick as a sponsor, I was all in, like mm-hmm. he started doing this, telling me to do this, that, and other. And I'm like, Yes, 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 okay, 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 mm-hmm. okay, yes, sir, yes, sir, okay, to everything. It's yeah. like you got to find somebody like that, and that lives a life that you want, and say that's not that couple. I don't want that couple. I want that couple. I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. That's where, that's what, I want to be like. So I'm gonna follow what he's doing and do what he's doing, and yeah. and that's exactly what I did. And yep, that's and that's just a being very obedient
0: part. You know, I was like. What do you what do you want your life to be like? You know, and like we come into these rooms and a lot of us don't know who we are, Mm -mm. you know, or or what we want. You know, we're just like broken like shells of ourselves. And yeah, you know, you hear you hear guys talk and you like you relate to somebody, right? Or you see, you know, how they're living their life and like their walk with God or or even just material things they have that you might want, you know, can get you to that point too. Or yeah. it's like, they just have things that you want, yeah, you know? And so you, you know, you, all you got to do is figure out what they're doing and do what they're doing. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah. most of these guys that like have real sobriety and like a life of purpose and, you know, meaning and like real happiness, not just that fake stuff, yeah. but like you can see it on them. Like they're genuinely happy and yeah. like genuinely are are living that life of recovery. We're all doing like similar things, yeah, you know we're all have a have a relationship with a higher power, mm-hmm. we have healthy relationships with other people absolutely you know we have good daily habits in mm-hmm. our life, we have structure absolutely we're, we're of Huge. service, mm-hmm. right we're living not for self anymore we're living for other people or like service is a big part of our life. We mm-hmm. put people before ourselves, right, yep. and just our daily walk is is. Is healthy, you know. We're yeah. we're not listening to a bunch of negative stuff. You know, we're not watching negative stuff. We're, we pay attention to how we treat other people, mm-hmm. how we're talking to ourselves. You know, all that stuff. Absolutely. Like you you uh, mentioned that you listen to a lot of podcasts, and and I do too. And like listen to a lot of motivational stuff, and mm-hmm. they're all saying the same stuff. Yeah. You know, it's because it works. Yeah, it does. You know, and really so does. when you're fresh in recovery, like seeing somebody that has what you want, all you got to do is emulate what they're doing. Yeah. But it's hard, you know, I'll just speak for myself personally, but I know this is for a lot of people. Uh, it's hard to ask for help. Yeah. You know, to, to ask another man mm-hmm. to show me how to do anything, but like to get vulnerable with another human being yeah. and admit that you have these issues and that you can't solve them on your own. Yeah. And then to like, be honest with, First of all, yourself, right? To, that you even have a problem, yep. and that you've done all these things, you know, and to admit that with another person, it's difficult, yeah. you know. But it's it's not only like worth it, but it's it's necessary. Yeah, you know, you need to get that stuff out of you. God already knows, yeah. you know. And if you if you're a believer in Christ, you're already forgiven. You know, the work is done but that internal work needs to be done. Yeah. You know, we have to learn, we have to heal from those traumas. You know what I mean? We have to work through that grief, yeah. you know, and like, we have to heal ourselves first, you know, and, and that's what these steps are for, you know, and, but you need help through that and then yeah. finding a sponsor that you can relate to and, uh, and work with is is crucial. I and mean, that's how we do it, you know, yeah. one one addict helping another, you know, yeah. we help each other through these programs and and uh it's a beautiful journey. It is. So, how has your life changed from being in sobriety?
1: Oh, it's it's an a 180. Yeah. It's like completely so that old Damon is absolute so I get baptized and all that and really the old Damon is dead yeah. and he is no longer around, you know, yeah. he's dead. He's gone. The addict, the drug addict, the alcoholic, he's gone. Um, my, my whole lifestyle's different. I don't cuss. I don't smoke cigarettes. Jesus pulled that from me. Um, I was in, you know, six, about six months to a year, uh, out fresh in recovery. And I decided that Jesus, I want you to uh, take cigarettes from me. A lot of people like I actually did it. I prayed to Jesus. It's about having that absolute faith in him, yeah. that he's the almighty powerful one that can take things from you, and he really can if you have that childlike faith in yeah. him to do so. So I I put I I gave myself a an achievable date to quit and stop. And I prayed to Jesus until that date, and said, "Take these from me on that date. Take these from me on that date, Jesus. I have faith in you that you're going to do it. I that yeah. you're going to that you're the all powerful one that can do it." Yeah. And um, so that day, uh, Wednesday, I had uh, my last cigarette. Thursday, woke up, and didn't want a cigarette since.
0: That's awesome.
1: My cravings, everything gone. Yeah, I smell them every once in a while, and it smells good, like. Ooh, I like the smell of it, but
2: yeah.
1: still, I know where that will lead me if I have one. You yeah, know? I know. It's just so, not worth it. Yeah, it's not <laughs> worth it at it's all. It's so
0: it's one of the hardest ones to quit. It is too. Know?
1: But I never thought in a million years that yeah. like I'm dating or I'm if my fiance smokes still, and her mom smokes, and we like I was smoking at their house and all that. They could not believe that I did it. Like yeah. I just put them down like that. I was praying for it yeah but they couldn't believe it it's like
0: wow yeah <laughs> so i think uh you know what you talked about with jesus and like having that faith mm-hmm. like and there's stories of that in the bible yeah. right or the lady that was seeking after him and just wanted to touch his yep. his robe you yep. know just to have that faith yep that he would heal he you know? does and he will and, i'm living proof yeah it's, it's <laughs> the absolute power of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ that healing power that redemption I would power. not
1: be the man I am today without Jesus Christ. Yeah. So how did
0: that how did that come about like you you got into the church and then you got into some literature like in the Bible yeah, so or how did that relationship develop I started so quickly just so
1: like everything that Damon does he's like oh, I right. find something I like yeah. and that's I go head first in. I just, I started reading the Bible. I started going to church. I started going to, uh, Nick told me that I needed to do 90 meetings in 90 days. So I started hitting NA. I started hitting AA. I started hitting every, uh, church program, Wednesdays, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day I was hitting a meeting for months. I did 60 meetings straight before, you know, I missed a day, but I still Kept on going, but I never hit the ninety. But it was close enough, you know. Yeah. I kept going. I hit, was hitting a meeting every day, and praying and reading my Bible at work. So and you were just fully the, the, engulfed. Fully yeah. engulfed. I had to chase it like a sack yeah. every day for a while, yeah. and um, started being of service at at um, at FFR, and um, started being of service at the Celebrate Recovery and. Rockland and helping there when I could. And just anywhere I went I was starting to be like more giving and more not thinking inward and just the literature, the the Bible was really sinking in on how my mind should work and how I yeah. should put others first. I should be uh thinking more like that, more like Jesus yeah. did. And just try to do that, and uh, that's all I did. Yeah. So I'm going, and Nick's sponsoring me. I'm, I'm. He's leading the way, and he's a great sponsor. So he does. He's been doing it quite a while. And I'm meeting other people like La, Lamar, and just yeah. And he's calling me also, and I'm talking to all these other guys like Jason, and I got these other friends that are just all like-minded men doing and we're bouncing things off each other talking to each other you know this is how we do that Da 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 you know because i was fresh i never did any of this stuff before so they're guiding me on what to do and how to do it and and i'm doing it so
0: that's cool i think uh an important part that that you're talking about is like being all in you know especially in early recovery like i had to completely swing the pendulum the other way you yeah. know i was like Absolutely. so lost in darkness and like caught up in self yeah and the self-seeking and, and addiction and like the guilt and shame mm-hmm. and and all the turmoil that that i had created and, and caused and uh you know i had to like <clears throat> put on the blinders and just like be solely focused on recovery yeah. and god like yep. for sure like the first year it was like I don't want to hear anything about drugs. I don't want to see anything about drugs. Yeah. No violence. You know, I'm, I struggle with violence, so I'm like, I I don't want to see any of that stuff. Yeah. Like, I just need I need Christ in my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I need some peace and serenity. I'm yeah. freaking broken, and I'm hurting, and I've been hurting people that I love and care mm-hmm. about, and I want to live differently, and so. I think being all in is very important, you know, and like changing our habits, right? Yeah. Like we need to replace these old negative habits with new ones. And being all in and like going to 90 meetings in 90 days and like yeah. working a solid program and getting into the step work and and taking the suggestions that are given in these programs. Yeah. Like we we offer those suggestions for a reason, yeah. you know, because they work. We they need do. to we need to develop skills and tools necessary to be able to deal with life. Yeah. You know, like before the alcohol and the drugs were the solution to the way that we felt, yeah. you know, anytime something negative happens, you know, we would reach for a substance to change the way that we feel, you know, to, to escape, right. And to celebrate and medicate, yeah. you know, everything was revolved around drugs. We chase it every day and, you know, all of my waking hours were around the getting and using of more. Even if I yeah. had a job, I was only working so I can get a freaking bag. Yeah, You know what I mean? And uh, so, you know, we have to replace those old habits with new ones and like start waking up and and, and getting into, you know, uh, some prayer and some spiritual literature, or recovery literature and like, you know, developing our day and structure around recovery. Yeah. You know, and, and start building these positive habits to, because we don't know how to live in sobriety. Yeah. You know, like my whole adult life was in addiction, yeah. you know? So I didn't know how to live. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't know how to live life sober. And I was scared about like what that was going to be like. Yeah. You know, like all I knew was drugs my whole lifestyle was around drugs. Yeah. You know? And so just the thought of like, what is life going to be like sober? You know, how am I going to have fun? Yeah. You know, like what is this all going to be like? Uh, But when we get into these programs and like we, start hanging out with people in sobriety. Yep. And, you know, we start to learn that, oh, man, this life is so much better than anything drugs ever afforded. Oh, yeah, it is. You it know? absolutely is. It's yeah.
1: crazy how how it is, like, just so much better yeah. on this side of the fence. Yeah. It's, like I say, it's like, it is so much. Real joy. It is. You know? It is. Yeah. It's so, like, God has blessed me in so many ways. It's just, like, I got this fiancé now that... We just click together. We don't argue. We don't fight. Yeah. It's like, man, I get in the shower. My clothes hit the floor. And by the time I get a the shower, they disappear. I don't know where they go, but they go in the laundry somehow. It's like, man, they, we we equal each other. We are so perfect for each other. I'm just in love with her so much. She's That's got awesome. this uh, autistic son that is just perfect. It's oh. like he is so perfect. It is, and it, it's just... I've been blessed in just so many ways. Like my kids are perfect. Like so I'm I'm in recovery and my daughter at this time. Mm-hmm. Like so I'm gonna go back to where, you know, I'm just starting to go. But my daughter's showing up with me at every FFR meeting. Mm-hmm. She's meeting me there. Her and her friends are going with is me. Is she in recovery or she's no, she just supporting me? She's just supporting me. Wow. And she did went there for like a year and a half straight to FFR with me. every FFR meeting for a 16 year old 17 year old to be
0: spending their time on
1: a Friday night with their dad. That is just something in itself right there. I love her to death. She's she's such a good girl and uh, it's just that support, her being there, you know, because when we were in, when I was in my addiction. She sent me a letter saying that she didn't want nothing to do with me, that until I was yeah. clean, blah, 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 that no longer she would be answering the phone, blah, you know, just the whole deal, like, you need to get some help, you know, and yeah. she didn't want nothing to do with me. She's tired of it, you know, so. Um, but, yeah, so now she's going with me every meeting, um, and we're just cruising through FFR. I'm doing the steps with Nick life's changing i'm being of service every way i can and uh just start helping out as much as i can find out that i'm really good at greeting (laughs) and (laughs) I, i don't know i guess back then it was like covid was still going and uh i had to stop everybody out front and, and take their temperature oh, before yeah. they went in and this and that so i got on a really one on one basis getting yeah. to know everybody that way said so i open their business yeah like yeah. come here let me hit the laser on your forehead yeah you know and the kids and, and yeah, then yeah. you know everybody had to st- i had to stop everybody at the door you know <laughs> and so i got to know them all very well yeah. And they got to know me well, you know, that way. And, and
0: are you naturally that kind of person like that got going? Yeah, I am.
1: Yeah. I, I'm i not shy. I just... Yeah. Maybe when I was younger, I was a little shy. In junior high or high school or something, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, like, now, not at all. Yeah. I am not the one that's shy at all. That's good. You know? I, and,
0: uh, I make my sponsees door greet for me at meetings. Yeah. For me... it's hard to reach out. Like I I built up like a, a hard exterior, you know, to keep people away from me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want, I don't want you to approach me, you know, don't talk to me, leave me alone. You know, I got my own shit going on. Stay away from me. You know? So when I got into recovery, like it was difficult for me to meet people and to, you know, to open up Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I had to force myself to do it, you yeah. know, and so I would force myself to meet one person at every meeting, yeah, I would go shake somebody's hand, I didn't know, just just introduce myself yeah. just to like break that barrier, you know, and uh, I found that very productive for me because we all care about each other in recovery, yeah. you know and and it's a lot of it is about those relationships that we you know, that we create in these rooms, Mm -hmm. you know, and like we need each other, you know, and, and it's very important to, to have relationships in recovery, you know, with people that care about you and like have your best interests in mind. And if you're not willing to like reach out, you're not going to be able to develop those relationships. You know what I mean? Like guys will come up to you and and that's nice too. When you're early in recovery, Mm -hmm. guys that will come shake your hand and like welcome you. and, And yeah, and give you a hug and stuff like that that's very important too and like that's a huge part of being yeah. a door greeter you know is like making people feel welcome yeah you know, especially people that have, are new and like coming off the streets yeah. and like have that shell and don't up. know anybody and they're yeah. like, well, what am i doing yeah. here should exactly. i even be
1: here you know it's yeah. like and then that's all you know all they need is somebody to just look at them say so they're like uh and then they're gone yeah never you know and never coming back they're like oh they're judging me yeah that's why yeah i make it a point that i go out of my way and be very hospitable to people tell them where the coffee's at say hey if you need anything else just hit me up or whatever and you know i'm just naturally a good greeter i guess yeah and outgoing and not shy anymore to not talk to people. I yeah. I talk to people all the time. I'm a soldier for Christ now. I at the gas pump. I'm talking to strangers <laughs> on the other side and and talking to, to them about Jesus. It's yeah. like I'm doing that now, and I'm like, we'll have a 30 minute conversation at the gas pump. People are yeah. honking at us because we're talking. I'm like, we're talking yeah. about Jesus here. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like just crazy. it know. It's the way, It's crazy that I would be talking about Jesus and yeah. doing what I'm doing now and the living the life. I never would have thought I'd be living the life I'm living now. I know. It's crazy. It's great. Um,
0: so you started working the steps, and yeah. how did that go for you?
1: It went great. It yeah. went great. I got those done, then uh, started sponsoring guys myself.
0: What did you get out
1: of the steps? The steps, I got... The tools on how to run my life the way it needs to be ran and the tools to run it the right way. So before I didn't know how to handle things or, or whatever I would do, like build a resentment or something and not, and just store up space in my head for months. And I'd just be pissed at somebody. And now I just give that stuff to Jesus. I'm like... I don't, I don't need that up there. I don't need to be angry at anybody anymore. Right. And uh, I don't need to be uh, just, you know, in that pit of misery that I was in, I have the tools to keep myself out of that area of, you know, life living and just the tools is the most important part, you know, being able to. Reflect on yourself and do an inventory every day and say, mm. what do I did I do yesterday that I don't want to do today? Right. And how do I get handle that today and figure it out to where it doesn't happen today? And those are the tools that the 12-step step study does. It yeah. gives you those tools and then it digs out the old stuff that you still dragging along in that backpack, mm-hmm. uh, stones that, you know,
0: and so when you when you worked through that four-step, did some of those resentments towards, like, your brother, did you have any, like, the grief stuff come up?
1: Yeah, so that's what I—so let's back up just a little bit. So when I just started in recovery at the 180 church—this is before—so I went to jail, and I had to— that whole court process and all that, so I ended up on an ankle monitor. So I'm on an ankle monitor. Also, I'm uh, doing that, and um, so the the what was it? The fourth step you were talking about. So I'm I'm working through those, and and I'm doing that grief counseling at the same time mm-hmm. as I'm working the steps. So that grief counseling I was talking about that helped me
2: yeah.
1: with all of the grief. And had me working that through the uh, re-entry program is what it was for Mm. Placer County. And that helped me with the grief. The fourth step, I worked on more of what I did to other people or so on and so forth. And that other stuff that, like the resentment I had towards my dad for abandoning us, basically him, I had to work on that stuff and... You know, it was just, there was a few other things that I'm not going to go into, but yeah. So that kind of stuff, I really worked on the grief, not so much with the fourth step. It was more through that grief counseling that was just crazy and how there's a few booklets and they offer them there at Placer County and I can get the booklets so you can show them on the show again. But there's these booklets that are just awesome for grief.
0: What, what kind of advice would you give somebody that is going through grief? So see a
1: therapist. Yeah. Actually get a therapist. That's I would recommend that was a game changer for me. Seeing the therapist once a week and then that class also during that week. So I'm seeing the therapist for life in general mm-hmm. and then tell them you're dealing with grief. Yeah, And then... Do a grief counseling class Or they'll offer you The therapist will have tools yeah. To teach you how to deal with therapy A lot of people don't think That they can do therapy or whatever Or yeah. they're, they're like Oh, that's not going to work for me yeah. It worked for me I didn't think anything would work It'll
0: work if you're honest it, you know?
1: Exactly If you're honest with yourself And you're honest with them They'll give you the tools to fix it And
0: So what do you think Like was the perspective change associated with that grief that helped you overcome it? Uh, Relinquishing
1: my power over things basically was the thing. So I had to accept that I can't control everything in my life, that things happen for a reason and they happen uh, out of my control. Yeah. And, when you relinquish that power to Jesus or your higher power and you give him all, you let him drive the car. You're basically, you're handing, you're getting in the passenger seat and you're letting him drive. In, yeah. in my case, that's what I did. i let Jesus drive. He drives my life. I pray. I do the things I need to do. And I let him guide me now. And I relinquish all control and power over to my higher power. That's yeah. what I did. And That's what made the the pendulum change for me is so people die every day and that's out of my control. Stuff happens. I could die in a car accident leaving here and that's out of my control. Yeah. You know? So the only thing I can control is how I react to every situation in my life. That's the only thing I can control is my reaction. And that's what I try to strive to do is just control what I can tangibly control. And that's my response to people, my, the way I look at people, the way I treat people. And it's completely different than the way it was before. I more, uh, not selfish. I'm not selfish anymore. I'm not, uh, I put other people first. I, I don't. I don't think inward i yeah. I go and I do a twelve step study another one. I continue to do twelve step studies I've done three or four different ones now. I did one with Nick through this book here I did one at the one eighty church in Rockland. I did another one at another church and then i did I'm doing one right now in uh in auburn at Auburn Grace. that's another celebrate recovery there and um that I do, and then I go and I help at the Celebrate Recovery. Um, over and uh, at Auburn Grace, also mm-hmm. I do that Celebrate Recovery. I'm a leader there, and I greet there as well because they recruited me because I was such a good greeter at FFR. They're like, "You are great. We want you at ours." And I'm like, "Okay." I don't say no. Yeah. So
0: that's good. I think, uh, yeah, an important part of that, like having that faith, you know, and the acceptance, um, in that grief healing is important and like having the faith that we don't know why things happen or, you know, the timing of things and, and, uh, you know, when people die man it just feels like your heart is just ripped out of your chest yeah, you know it does and you don't understand why and like you don't understand how god could do this to you or to yeah. them right and and the way that i am able to come to terms with it is 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 through that faith that you know i don't i don't have the answers yeah. you know i don't uh, I don't know why, you know, but I have trust in God that He knows why, yeah. and that all things work for good in the end, you know, and uh, I just have that faith in that, you know, and and they it's it was their time, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, we all die, Absolutely. and uh, it was their time, and and also, you know, just having gratitude for knowing them, you yeah. know, like. Being grateful that you had those experiences, yeah. you know that you I'm got so to, grateful for all that. Yeah, that you yeah. got to have time with your brother and and your your ex and like, you know, remembering those good times, yeah. you know, and like holding that memory of them. And then you know, just because they're dead doesn't mean that you can't still like communicate with them and like hold that you know those good thoughts and yeah. and and feelings for them you know and and commune with them even after death you know yeah. because we're eternal beings you know our, yeah. our spirit carries on mm-hmm. and uh and they're still with us you know that that emotion you know when you reach out to them in prayer and and commune with them like they yeah. they feel that you know and i feel it back yeah. you know when i when i commune with with people that i'm close to that have passed and uh, so, like, living in that faith that I don't understand, that I don't need to understand, yeah. you know, but, like, allowing Jesus to take the wheel, right? And yeah. and just understanding that I just need to play my part and have acceptance for life, you know, and mm-hmm. for the way that things are going and, and just do the next right thing and, and carry on. And, uh, and part of that, too, is, like, like. Living and carrying on a legacy for them too, you know, and like trying to honor them in their death, yeah, and like you know, do something real with the time that we have, Mm -hmm. you know, because life is so precious, yeah, you know, it could just be stripped from you at any time, and uh, I didn't want to go out like that, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I didn't want to die a freaking drug addict, no, death, you know, that miserable death alone in a, in a street or in a prison cell, you know, I wanted something better for myself. I wanted something better for my family. You know, I wanted to stop hurting people. You know, I wanted to give my daughter a better life, you know, and I wanted to be the man that she needed in her life, Mm -hmm. you know, and like I needed to be the man that I needed in my life too, you know, and to change you know, to be the stop of this generational curse of addiction. You know, I want to be, I want to break the cycle. Yeah. You know, I don't want my kids to have to grow up that way. Yeah, I mean, I don't want my children to have to see me struggle with addiction. Yeah. You know, and my daughter saw me, you know, she visited me in jail when she was real young, but she has, she doesn't remember any of that. And she never has to see me that way. Yeah, you know. And I got more children now that are never going to see me drink or use. Yeah, you know. And that's very important for me oh, yeah. to to be the example, right, for mm. our children and for our community, and for people like us. You know, because yeah. I I come from a you know environment where I was running around in the streets pretty heavy. Yeah. And so those guys see me changing and like living differently and. A lot of those street guys want something else, too. Oh, yeah. The streets have nothing for you. No, they don't. The streets don't love you. Mm-hmm. Nope. Drugs None don't love you. No, the
1: people you. on them, either. Nope. They don't love you. You think they it, might be your friends or something. They're not. It's all a sham.
0: It is. You know, it, it's a lifestyle, and there's no love in the streets, you nope. know? So, and most of the people that are in the streets are broken. Yeah. You know, they're hurt. They're they hurt people, you yep. know, and hurt people hurt people, yeah. you know, and... So when you're the example and you stand up for something righteous and, like, get your stuff together and do a 180 and, yeah. and you become the light in the darkness, right? Absolutely. We, we go back into these places and, and tell our brothers and sisters, like, yeah. we don't have to live this way anymore. Yeah. This is all a lie. You know, what we're being fed in the media is a lie. Yeah. You know, what, what we're hearing on the radio is a freaking lie. This is the truth in yeah. here. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, this is the living truth. Jesus is the truth. He is. And this life of recovery is is a real life. Yeah. You know, that street life Mm-mm. isn't real. No. You know? And so, when they see us make progress and, like, go from, you know, that place of darkness and, like, work these programs and, and get some get some life back in us and, like, Lead the way, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, and show them that there's another way to live. It 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 plants seeds in them too, oh, yeah, you know absolutely. they and they get curious. And I've had lots of friends reach out to me yeah. and, and be interested in recovery just because the things that they've seen me do. Yeah. And that's that's what it's about, right? Like that's the Great Commission yes, is to is. bring that word and to bring the gospel to people that are still out there suffering. Absolutely. And something that you touched on earlier, you know how. You feel like God allowed you to go through these things in order to create the man that you are today. Oh, absolutely. And like we go through those hard times so that, you know, the things that the devil used against us, God will use for purpose. Absolutely. You know, and all that pain and miser- misery and like turmoil that we go through doesn't have to be in vain. You no. know, we can use that experience to help somebody else to get through that. Yeah. And that is. That's the purpose and the pain, you know, Mm -hmm. if you can see that, yeah, you know.
1: And that's where I I keep saying that people need to be broken all the way down and stripped of everything to see that. Uh, I know I'm too stubborn and would not see it until I was completely stripped of everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you think was, like, the most... Pivotal or like beneficial step for you in, in working those steps? Uh, I think. I don't
1: know. They were all beneficial. Yeah. They all worked in their own way. But I my favorite is the 12th step. Mm. the the final one, just yeah. bringing the word to other people and yeah. guiding them and showing them the way. And that's what I try to do on my day-to-day life now is I sponsor men. I The 12th step is like the one just bring it out and show other people how to get what you have. And and that's what we're called to do is just give away what we got. Yeah. And that's part of being that selfless person that you need to be and just give it away and just show them in either... You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But yeah. at least you led them there sure. and showed them where the water's at. Yeah. And they can come back for a drink. Yeah, and you, you never know. you never, You never know.
0: know. You know, you plant those seeds, yeah. and, and, uh, and that's really all you can do. Right? Yeah.
1: So that's my favorite step is just being able to be of service and help other people and guide them. Because I, I do a lot. I go... Like on Mondays, like I said, I, did, I do a 12-step study, work on myself, mm-hmm. and I help other guys there I'm accountable to, and they're accountable to me. And uh, I bring other people to FFR from that. I got another friend that's coming over. He's helping me greet now and from that step study and just showing them the way, showing them the ropes and just guiding them through his walk. And he's not even a drug addict, he's just got some other yeah. uh issues. But hey, it it's all the same. We all suffer from something.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh so yeah, it's just being of service and helping out, guiding other men and having that that group of men to help keep me accountable and You know, because a lot of days I'm like, do I want to go to church today, or do I want to go do this today? I'm like, uh, (laughs) you know, it is stressful and it's a lot to do because I'm busy and I chase my recovery like I chase that sack. So I do that on Mondays, Tuesday, do the celebrate recovery. Wednesdays we're doing a Bible study in the rehab up here in Auburn, Um, and a lot of guys there try to bring that word in there. Um, it's awesome. I just love seeing the guys getting involved last night was awesome. We did it last night and it's just great. We had a great meeting there last night. And then doing stuff like this, doing a podcast just because you know yeah. I don't have to do this. I, you know, I want to spread the word and yeah. and help everybody I can. And uh, that's what I do when somebody asks, I try to do it. Yeah. if I absolutely can do it, you know. And I know I can do it. It's just yeah. a matter of making time to do it. Or just saying yes. You know. So yeah.
0: what's uh what, what gives you the most like meaning in recovery? The other men. Yeah. The other
1: men uh like so me and Nick and Saint we'll go to out to dinner, we'll talk shop, get our plan for the night plan for the week plan for Friday, whatever. And we all just kind of hang out, do our thing. And, and being around the like-minded men bounce things off each other on how we're dealing with our lives, wives, uh, whatever, you know, just life in general on, um, you know, because I trust them. They love me. I love them. We want what's best for each other. So, just having those guys in my life and uh, you know, not just them. I have a whole squad of people in in relationships in my life now that are meaningful and they truly care about what I'm doing and I truly care about what they're doing. So it's like that it's just having this group of guys that we, we look out for each other. We sharpen each other's iron, like Nick says all the time. Um, and hold each other accountable you know yeah there's a whole group of men in my 12-step study that i'm doing on mondays that dude, all these guys it's a whole we got like eight or nine guys in there and they're just all great and we like they're telling their deepest darkest secrets i'm telling mine we're all just that's how that 12-step works it's yeah. just you're all vulnerable you're all open with all your dirty dirt you know and the stuff you how you act and how you treat people how everything you know is coming out there and it's just that is true recovery yeah and that's true purpose on having a purpose and a real drive and having purpose is just everything and that's my purpose now it's just to help others
0: yeah so that's awesome um what do you think the difference is having Christ as your foundation in recovery versus you know just having a higher power in some of these other programs? Do you think it's do you think there's a difference or do you think absolutely?
1: I think there's no other higher power than Christ. Um, there's only one God. There's only one. Almighty power in my eyes. Me being an atheist, I was putting myself first before. And every other way, I was all into numerology. All kinds of weird stuff, you know, all kinds of stuff. I'd get my cards read. All this weird stuff that, oh, wow, that's cool. No, No, it's all garbage. It's all garbage. Nothing has panned out with any of that. Nothing in my life has ever panned out or even came true or even seen such a traumatic difference in my life, not only my life, but other men around me, other families around me that put Christ at the center of their life, it is nothing but good comes from it. Yeah. So how could there be anything else other than Christ that could be a higher power than Christ? Nothing could be a higher power than Christ in my eyes just because... Somebody thinks something else is a higher power. It's not truth. That's not truth. We're supposed to speak truth. And truth is the Bible. Truth is Christ. Truth, and you're not telling real love or showing real love. It says that also. You are not showing real love unless your truth is the foundation of that love. So, and I learned that from the Bible. If truth is not, if your love for somebody or something is not founded in truth, yeah. then the love is will, it's it's not real love. You can't call it love. So, that's the way I've lived my life now. And if it's like, if you have a higher power that's a doorknob, you know, yeah. that's not. What is that? You know, that's just somebody living their own way, their own. You know.
0: Yeah. I think these other uh recovery programs are like a great foundation to like get you to reach out Absolutely. to a higher power. Absolutely. You know? um, the more because the more you seek God, the more mm-hmm. you'll find, you know. And it's a it's a it's a progressive program, you know, mm-hmm. like spirituality, you know, is something that you can continue to grow and build upon you know, and our ultimate goal is to be more like Christ, right? Like just continue to grow and to progress and to, you know, live that lifestyle. Um, And, you know, I didn't grow up in church either, but the more that I sought after God and like what is a higher power to me and the more, you know, I looked, the more I was shown Jesus and the more I sought after Jesus and His teachings and like His way of mm-hmm. life and the things that He was about, and you know, the way that He lived His life, like the more I felt truth, mm-hmm. right, and like felt power in His teachings and power in His, you know, in His meaning and and what He did here, and uh, it just. I feel like all roads lead there, you know, Um, and, you know, I'm, I don't personally, you know, pushed out upon new people in recovery. I think Mm -hmm. everybody's on their own journey. Yeah. Um, but you know, try to plant those seeds in them and show them like, this is what works for me. And, you know, if they don't, if they've never heard of them or like, you know, introduce them and, and do that. But, um, for people that are like, brand new fresh in recovery i think it's important just to have a higher power you know like seek that out and find it for yourself because if you're honestly seeking you know i think you'll find jesus yes you know especially in in america Mm -hmm. in in today's day and age you know i think uh the harder you look the more you'll find you know yeah
1: and that's true and me personally i don't i go straight to jesus (laughs) every time i go me personally if i got a newbie yeah i go put god put jesus at the center of your life and he'll heal everything he will heal everything in your life and that's what i tell everybody and that's what i pray for everybody it's like i go out of my way like to pick people out of the crowd that are kind of yeah you know you'll see me at church it's like I go and I'll scan the room like, who's hiding from me? Who's hiding from me? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. come over here. It's like, or I'll just see, like, it's like God will speak to me and say, hey, you need to pray for this one. You Mm -hmm. need to pray for that one. You need to pray for that one. And it's like, I'll just like go and I say, hey, you want me to pray with you? And normally I haven't had anybody turn me down. Oh, I've had one guy turn me down. I'm all right. You know, and, but he's a Christ heavy believer and this and that. And he's just like, oh, I'm all right right now. I'm vibing with the music you know so how
0: do you think uh how do you think that obedience has impacted your life and like when you spend time in prayer and like you get you feel called to do things and like you're obedient to to those things how do you think that's developed and like how do you how do you feel that's changed you so, like, I, I
1: used to not want to be the one praying or whatever, but Nick would call on me to pray at like dinner, like after church, we'd go to all go to dinner or something. He'd call on me, Damon, pray it in, or Damon, do this, Damon, do that, you know? And I'm like, okay, I'll try, you know? But then the more and more you do something, so it just shows like the more and more you hit your knees, the more and more it's just going to start to flow. And it's just gonna, when you you get that relationship with Jesus, it's like, it's it's like a marriage, is the way I see it. It's like it's like a marriage with him, and that's what he wants. He wants you to have that relationship like a marriage with him. Mm-hmm. And I say this all the time. It's like, uh, if you're married to this woman, but you don't look and you don't talk to her, is that a relationship? Right. you're not communicating with her, you're not talking to her, you're not running nothing past her. But So that's what the relationship Jesus wants with us. And if you're not doing that, you're not running things past him, you're not praying for him or praying to him or talking to him like I'm talking to you right now. Just run something past him. Jesus, should I do this? Is this for me? You know. Just start doing that and start having and building a relationship with him and then you'll start to see and he's gonna start talking and answering you in a, s- subconsciously that you are gonna already know the answer to what he's gonna say it's like it's like he already he's there he's his spirit is in us so it's like it's just it starts to come natural you start praying more you start talking to him more he's gonna start talking to you more you start putting the the stuff that that selfish stuff that you, you, you that you want, and start just letting go of that stuff and doing for him and doing for what he would want you to do. Say, What is that? What Jesus would want me to do right now? Yeah, you know, start having that type of relationship. He's going to change the way you look at life, the way you think about things, the way you talk to other people. I mean, I don't cuss anymore, he took that from me. I told him I want to give that up too, and he took that from me. I don't cuss, I don't smoke, I don't. You know, my whole, I am like, completely different from. Yeah. I'm not the same guy I was, and it shows, and a lot of people notice it. It's like my family notices it. Yeah. I got kicked out of the house for saying the f word. <laughs> my dad was like livid. He's like, "You say it, say it." <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just, it was bad. Every other word was f word all the time. It's just, yeah. so, but once you put him first and you start having that relationship with him, nothing's better, I think. Yeah. Nothing's better. It's like it's like you can start to think and start to think like him and start, oh, he looks like he needs prayer. Yes, go get him. Yes, he looks like he needs prayer. Oh, this one too, that one too, or this one, or maybe even in the store, you're like, oh, do you know Jesus? <laughs> I know Jesus or something. It's like,
0: yeah. I feel like, you know, the more we're obedient to like his direction, uh, just the better my life gets, Mm -hmm. you know, the more I'm able to try to align my will with his will and listen to that direction and then like actually take action, you know, not just hear it, but actually do something about it. And for me, it's typically like conviction. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be doing these exactly. things. Exactly. You should no. be doing these things. We know what's right and wrong. Yeah. And it's <laughs> it's usually that still small voice mm-hmm. in the back of your mind, yeah. right? The ego is going to scream. Yeah. But that that Holy Spirit's going to whisper to you. Yeah. He's going to say, you mm-hmm. know, no. So no. <laughs> so trying to listen to that that mm-hmm. whisper, that you know, that good orderly direction, right? That that Holy Spirit talk to you, and then be obedient to that. And the more that I am, the better my life gets. Oh, yeah. You know, the more I'm rewarded for being Completely. obedient. You know, and like, I feel like my life is more in the flow of life. Right? I'm in God's will. I'm not self-seeking. You know, I'm not pleasure-seeking. Yeah. You know, trying to be of service. And then, you know, I'm not perfect, but when I'm wrong, I try to change it. You know, and like, try to really apologize and I really change my behavior, you know, because I do care about the way that I'm living now. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, just the more I'm able to be obedient to what I feel like God's will is in my life, my life just continues to improve. Oh,
1: yeah, mine too. And it's just blessing after blessing after blessing. It's like I couldn't ask for a better woman now. I got... I mean, I don't stress over anything. I don't, I have this peace over me that's just like nothing gets to me except for, you know, a little bit of road rage. But other than that I I I went and I got a chip for that, a twenty four hour chip for that because I don't want to have road rage anymore. I'm like giving that up. I'm gonna be calm when I drive. Yeah. I'm not gonna let other drivers get to me. It's like so but that's that fine tuning that of my life that I'm doing, I continue to do and that I recognize and feel like I need to work on. So it's it was drugs and alcohol, then it was like women and and then it was like just w- with a little, my mouth, the cigarettes, so yeah. on and so forth. now it's my road rage. It's like those tools, the 12-step tools are a daily process that I use and mm-hmm. that I continue to use and will always use because it. they're the tools that to live by now for me. Yeah. And it's they're going to always be there. And I'm going to try to always be doing a 12-step or sponsoring somebody to where... I'm working the steps all the time. Yeah. And, and they just, work. They know. do. <laughs> they work if you work them. Yeah. It's, like, it's just crazy how that works. It's like, if you work them, they work. Yeah. You know? And if you're honest with th- them and your sponsor, then just... You
0: yeah. Know. So what the, kind of advice would you give somebody that's maybe on the, like, teetering on sobriety or that's new in recovery? So...
1: Put God at the center, so Jesus Christ at the center of your life. Um, start there. Be of service. Get go to like and chase chase the program like you chase the sack or chase the, the bottle or whatever your drug of choice was or alcohol. You know, chase it like you chase the drug. Chase your recovery. Get into—I don't care if it's NA or AA, whatever works for you—but put God at the center of it all, and then tell me, you know, give it at six months and try it, see what what happens of it, and be of. But don't just go to a meeting and then just sit in the back. Go get to know people, get out of your shell, get to know people, and be of service. That's yeah. the number one biggest thing. For me and my recovery was as soon as I became of service, everything changed. It was like, yeah. I'm helping, I'm putting out chairs, I'm making coffee, I'm doing whatever, I'm doing childcare, I'm doing whatever needs to be done and get it done. Yeah. Um, it's That's the, because when you do that, then you get to know everybody that way a lot better instead of just sneaking in the back sitting down for a meeting and thumbing through your phone you're busy helping with the meeting you're busy up there talking the steps out in the meeting or you're uh up there giving a devotional or you're you know whatever it may be that way once you get to know everybody then that stuff just comes easy and then it's natural it's like you know, it, once you're up there and you're helping out, then you get the tools and the people to help you and you, you become a family. And that's where it's at. It's having that family, that recovery family to, to lean on. And that's where it's at. And yeah. you will not, if you really run your program like you should, like with honesty and truth and love at the center of it all, then you're going to be
0: just fine. Perfect. Well, thank you, bro. I appreciate you coming yeah. out. Thanks for having me. You want to uh, say a little prayer for those still out suffering yeah.
1: tonight? Yes, sir. Father God, I want to thank you for the time to come apart and just shock talk shop here with uh, Blaine and the uh, and this group, and just I hope that this addict out there suffering still can uh, receive some of type of spirit or some type of. Uh, help and ease his mind that he knows that he can go to a, a meeting somewhere and sometime and just get the help there that he needs and that that spirit moves through these people out there because people are dying out there, Lord, and we know that you know this. And uh, I hope that and pray that they uh, they turn to you, Lord, and put, them, put you at the center of their life and uh, relinquish the power that uh, drives them. Over to you, Lord, because once they die to self, then you can drive. In Jesus' name, I pray this over everybody in this town and the United States. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
0: Thank you. Love you, bro. Love you, too. Victorious, we became, but never forgot where we came from. Life or death, not a game, we came to change the lane. Recovery addicts, that's the name. Give yourself a break, just one day at a time. You were born to shine, so live and let love be forever. My sister, my brother, don't give in. Please remember, the lie is dead. We do recover. Welcome home.